Amen. Amen. Well, super. Let's get into the word. And so we're going to be dealing with Romans chapter 7, part 2. But I want to go back a little bit and bring you up to speed. Is that okay? We'll bring you up to speed. Can somebody tell me in, in just a very few words uh, why we're teaching Romans? I've told you many times. Can you just... <laughs> oh Lord, I tell you, there's always one in the group. Yeah, because the Lord told you to. Okay, that's the short answer. <laughs> super, super. And, and, there's an and, and that the Lord wants us to know how to live in the midst of a pagan world. Right? He wants us to know how to live. And, and, and in knowing how to live, you need to know what you have, what you have in Christ. Uh, some people use uh, Jesus as... As like a, a magic potion, you know. Uh, but that's not the way we're to use him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the answer to every one of life's questions. Amen. So let me go back to Romans 7. Let's look at verse 5. If you would look at verse 5, we, uh, and we're going to share some things there. Paul says to us, For when we were in the flesh... The sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Boy, what a, a dreary, dreary statement. But, he, but what blesses us is, he says, when we were in the flesh. So it means that there's a past tense there. That's not present tense. That's past tense. So you and I must not live in the past, but in the present. He says that the sinful passions that were in our members were aroused by the law, but you and I bore fruit to death. Everything that we did had the end, death, death. You may say, but no, I disagree. Still death. Doesn't matter whether you agree. If you disagree with the word, you're wrong. That's how that looks. Now let's look at some, port, some supporting scripture in Romans 6 verses 20 to 22. Let's look at Romans 6, 20 to 22. We bring you up to speed. It says, for when you were slaves of sin. So what Paul says is that everybody on the planet at one point in time was a slave to sin. That means you had a master and it was sin. So it doesn't matter how nice you were or how nice you thought you were. You were a slave to sin. Some people are still slaves to sin. Uh, yes, people you know, friends of yours perhaps, slaves of sin. But when you were slaves of sin, you were free or not a slave in regard to righteousness. And so, and so what he, he says is you were free in regard to righteousness. You could not attain to the righteousness that God approved. You could not. Your nice deeds, you could not. Because by the works even of the law, no flesh is justified. So no matter how many good works you had as a sinner, you were still a sinner. Paul goes on to say in verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? So we had fruit, but the end was death. 
And so we're ashamed of that. For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin or having been made free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. Your produce is to holiness. And the end is everlasting life. So you are a producer now, but your, your fruit is to holiness. Your, your fruit is to God. Your fruit ends up everlasting fruit, everlasting life. It's what Paul wants you to know. There was a then and there's a now. Right? There's a then and there's a now. Some people always want to make their then now. Always talking about the past and what you used to do, almost like you're happy about it and you were proud of the things you did. But, but Paul is saying we, have, we must have and we do have a line of demarcation there. There's a line of demarcation, a separating line. Those two don't mesh. They don't mix. Uh, the, the, the song, the, one of the stanzas in the song says, Oh, what a change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. So that should be our testimony, that Jesus made a huge difference when he came into our heart. All right? Not, I don't like the term life, but, but maybe if you, if you like it, it's okay, I suppose. But he came into my heart as my life. And that's what we, ha we must hold on to. Verse 6 says, let's go back to uh, um, Romans 7, 6. But now, can you say that with me? But now. But now. So there's a difference in the then and, and the now. But now, we have been delivered from the law. Can you say that? We have been, de have been delivered from the law. One more time. And so I asked the question, how? And so he says, Paul says, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. And so the, the law, the Bible says, the scripture tells us that the law has like authority or dominance uh, over a man as long as he lives. As long as any human lived, the law had authority over them. The law was right. The law dominated the law had a right to say who you were. And this is what he's saying here. He says, but, but now we've been delivered from the law, from the rule of the law, the, the authority of the law, the dominion of the law to accuse us, to say what we were. So he says, the law held us, right? So that now we should serve in newness of the spirit. So Paul talks about an economy of flesh and then an economy of spirit. Not small S, but capital S, the Holy Spirit. That's the sphere or the realm in which we live. And he says, and not in the oldness of the letter. Life in the spirit is totally superior to life under the law because the law always dealt with carnal people, fleshly people, natural people. It exposes them. It's amazing. The law always exposed, but it could not change them. Could not change you. No matter, no matter how you tried, you were unchanged at the end. I, I like the way Pastor Stanwood said. He said, oh, I can act right for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so we were always exposed under the law. 
Now, when the Bible talks about the newness, and, and we, we, we discovered this the last time, the newness of the Spirit, the newness is a new state of life in which the Holy Spirit places us so that we can produce new things, as it were, things that we were unable to, to uh, produce before, a new state of being, a new condition, a new reality. That's what what God did for us in transferring us, bringing us to, translating us into the realm of the Spirit. Now, uh, these are things I shared before, and, and you'll come up. See, the law had dominion over you, but let's look at it some more. So we know that the law cannot exercise authority over a dead person, right? We, it could not, because once you died, you left the realm of the law. You left its sphere. You left it, its realm once you did. So as believers, we need to understand that we are saved. We, we are really literally saved. We, we are also being saved, and we have explained that to you in the past many times. You are being saved in that God is working out the reality of your salvation and my salvation in our thinking and our doing and our soul. In our, in our mind, our, our will, our emotions, our imaginations are being saved. And so we don't imagine things like we used to. We, we don't think like we used to. And, and we find it, it's, it being left behind more and more. So the law exercise author, cannot exercise authority over a dead person. In Romans 6 verse 9, Romans 6 verse 9, we've read this course several weeks ago. It says, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Why does he die no more? Because God says, it is appointed unto a man once to die, and after that the judgment. So Christ died to the realm of sin, the sin realm. He died to it once for all. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Okay. That scripture was already in me, right? But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And so Paul, Paul is saying to us by revelation that Christ died to sin once for all. That's, that's a double meaning. We share it with you, right? Remember? Double meaning. He died, he died to sin once for everybody on the planet. That 117 billion people that Brother John was talking about. He died for all of them. His death was sufficient to save everybody. And not only 117 billion people that's estimated to have been in the world, but if we could get another 117 billion and then 10, uh, that to the 10th power, his blood is sufficient. That, that's big. That's victory. That's victory. And so we have to understand that. And he says, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Very, very crucial for your maturation, your understanding, your maturing the life he lives, he lives to God. So you, God placed you in him. So when he died, you died. That old person you were. When he was raised, you were raised. That new person he is, is now you. Right? And so he says, now Jesus lives to God. You, you might would say, he always lived to God. Well, in a sense, that is true. But he was in this realm of sin, and he dealt with, with sin and all of its issues. But when he left this, the one thing he does is he lives to God. It's like he is God-directed in everything, in all of his, in every uh, sense of the word. He, he lives to God. And so what Paul wants us to understand is we don't owe anything to this world system. And... Uh, 
there are, there are well-meaning people who want you to owe something to this world system. You don't owe anything to this world system except to make it better in a sense that saving people out of it. But you don't owe anything to the world system. Your life is toward God now. Just like God, Jesus' life is toward God. Your life is toward God. And there are some wonderful things. I can say it right now and I'll say it again later. And uh, so that you may have produce that is Godward, that is holy, that is righteous. So all of your produce now must be good produce. Can you imagine? I, I like uh, mangoes. I really like mangoes. I like peaches. Um, I can take an apple, but I, I really like mangoes, and uh, I don't want a mango that has that little really dark, dark spot in it. Looks like a worm or something. I don't want that mango. I want that good, luscious, golden fruit of the mango. And I don't mind if I get some of those little fibers in my teeth when I'm chewing it off the big seed. I've got toothpicks for that. But I love good. So, so it, that's like us. We produce this good, luscious fruit to God. Holy things. Righteous things. God wants us to understand that. Uh, I don't want to stay here too long. And so, so your, your job is now, or your emphasis, your focus is Godward. Now, let's look at Galatians 4, 4 through 5. 4, 4 through 5. I'm catching you up to speed here. Are we, are we there? Okay. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Very important. We're not going to give you an exegesis on that. Born of a woman. Born under the law. Jesus was what? Born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. He came to redeem you. Bow your back. Bring you to God. That he might, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And I've taught, taught you that this adoption of sons. We are not sons of God by adoption in this regard. We are sons of God by spiritual birth. But, it, but here we are sons of God now capable and ready and mature enough to, do the, to take care of the family business. All right? That's what this is about. All right. Now. So we are now, we're now to serve, that is to live and operate in this newness of the Spirit. So we should be Holy Spirit conscious. And if I'm, if I'm conscious of the Holy Spirit having been given to me and, I'm, and I am filled with the Holy Spirit, then I must be conscious of Jesus because the Holy Spirit's job, his assignment is to always bring Jesus things to you. All right, is that good? Now, I'm not, this isn't, I don't, uh, you know, when you come to hear the, the word of God of me, you, I wish I could make it really flowery, you know, I mean, you know, and just, you know, give you a real good massage. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I wish I could do that. But I just want to give it to you like God has given it to me. Um, so we serve, we operate in the newness of the spirit. The newness of the spirit is like the economy of the spirit. And, and in, the, in the realm of the spirit, the economy is always good. In, in the realm of the spirit, the economy is always good. So you don't have to worry about uh, the, the nutty things that we do in this life. So, so then let's look at John 4, 13 through 14. We'll, 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 we're going to rush a bit, I think. 
John 4, 4, 13 and 14. So so Jesus answered and said to her, the, the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. So this is what Jesus promises all of those of us who live in the economy of the Spirit, the newness of the Spirit. Say, we will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him, that person, will become in him, that person, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life so the Lord makes a promise and this is what we know is that it is impossible for God to lie so he promises you a a fountain of water that springs up into everlasting life that is not an uncertain promise that's a promise that he has made this is what will happen when I give you that that the Spirit of God is going to be a fountain, it's, it's self-supplying, and it just com- keeps bubbling up, and eternal life is the end. Eternal life is the goal. Eternal life. This is what he wants you to know. Now, now, oldness of the letter, the old state of life controlled by, by the letter, you know, the, uh, the, the law of God. Also, the Old Testament, for its, for most part, uh, that was uh, the letter. My dad always said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Always said, would say that to us, the letter kills. So when you look at the letter, you can even look at all of the Old Testament. It says here, but Paul tells us that we have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that we may be married to another. And that's very important that, that you understand. It's not important that you and I go on to the next uh, point uh, in Romans 7. It's important that we learn and we have internalized what we learned. You know, remember how when you were crammed for a test, maybe some of you are so smart you never crammed. But, you know, you cram for a test. You, you could regurgitate it maybe just for a short while, but after a while you didn't know a thing. <laughs> you didn't know. Cramming is not real learning. So, so we want to just go back over it. I trust it's not too tedious for you. But, but um, we, we became dead to the law. Now, if I became dead to the law, I don't owe the law any. I, I, don't, I don't have an obligation, as it were, under it. Now, I do have an obligation to live a holy and righteous life. I do that because of who, whose I am, who I am now, and what God has done for me. So, yes, so I live holy and righteously, but, but, but it's done because of what Jesus has done for me. So, I, I, uh, anyway, that we may be married to another, yes, even to him who was raised from the dead. Now, listen to me, Sash, that we should bear fruit to God. So, so, so God's, God's desire was to take this people, you and, you and me, to take us and marry us to Christ that we might have produce. Yes. This is what he said, that we should bear fruit to God. You, 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 you have children. We have, my, my wife and I have two children. We have six grandchildren. But that's our produce. So we are married, and so when you're married, you have produce. And so we're married to Jesus, and we should have produce. And our produce is godliness, is holiness, it's righteousness, all right? So let me just move on, or I'm not going to get anything into chapter 7. All right. Let me, let me move on. Uh, under, okay. Okay. Romans Romans 6, 7, 6, 7, 6. 
But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Now let's look at verse 7. The law cannot deliver us from sin. This is so, so important. Uh, many, many of you may have, or some of you, a few of you, may have grown up in legalistic churches. I did, but, but I'm telling you, there were a lot of good things that happened there. Um, but they always told us, you got to, you got to, you got to. And I remember as a young adult, and I've told you this story, I was so frustrated because I was always trying to live holy and righteous, and I wanted to live holy and righteous, and I was trying and invariably after I got a two week period or so of really living pretty good something would happen and, and I got so frustrated I say one day I was a young pastor and it, it wasn't like some well it was bad it was sin you know you know you get angry with somebody or you know you, you just you wish that you could somehow knock them into next week but you knew you couldn't you know that kind of thing it was something probably like that and I said God I can't do it if you want this done you've got to do it and I heard a sigh like a sigh in heaven like ah, he finally got it and that's why Jesus lives. Jesus lives to make us better. Jesus, God gave us Jesus to live his life out through us. So, so, or you could say we live this life out through him. You can never do it by yourself. So the law says you can't do it. That's what the law is there. The law says you can't do it. So the law brings you to a place where you say, I need help. That's what the law says. And there's, <laughs> baby needs help also, right? Yeah, so, so Paul, verse 7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. I would not have known what sin was, he's saying, except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. I wouldn't have known that. So the law is good. The law reveals sin. Now, I don't want you going around here quoting law just so you can reveal somebody's sin. Huh? So Romans 3.20 tells us, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. That's Romans 3.20. It says no flesh would be justified in his sight. For by the law is what? The knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. And when you covet, when you covet, said, I would have known covetousness unless the Lord said you should not covet. What is coveting? To have a desire for, a long for lust after to seek things that are forbidden you know you want it but you shouldn't have it's covered i want that car that you've got why don't you just want one like it you know you want somebody's car you want somebody's house you wish that were yours maybe want somebody's husband want somebody's wife want that you want that so that's covetousness and so uh, Paul didn't say, he used covetousness, and we explored that in our study to find why, why covetousness. He didn't say, uh, uh, Jesus, when, I'm sorry, um, in, in this uh, verse 7, he says, I would not have known covetousness unless the Lord said, you shall not covet. Well, in, uh, he says, 
uh, Paul didn't use murder. He didn't talk about stealing or adultery or any of those things. He says coveting because covetousness leads to breaking all the other commandments. If you covet, you'll break all the other commandments. So, so you remember, uh, it's one of those, those what we call sneaky sins, one of those cowardly sins, um, insidious, you know, creeping around that you don't recognize it generally. You don't recognize it in your own life, but God's law reveals it. Remember in the rich young ruler story, the rich young ruler? And the rich young ruler uh, is a good example of the law revealing sin. Uh, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, what the, uh, you know what the commandments are, you know, like obey them. He said, I've kept all of them from my youth up. And so Jesus says, it, it, it's kind of like... Uh, it, it, allow me just a little bit of uh, preacher license here. Jesus looks at him, and Jesus loved him, but he's asking, he, he asks something of him. He said, you've done all the law, all of those outward things. He says, give all your money away. Come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. Jesus didn't want his money, didn't need his money, but he needed to give it up. Why? Because he coveted that money. He was coveting. And because he coveted his wealth, he was guilty of all the other. Outwardly, he looked good, but inwardly, he was still bad. Outwardly, so often, we look good, but inwardly, wow. The law will expose who you are, and, and, and if you are here today, or since you are here today, every one of us who is in Jesus Christ has had to cry out, Oh God, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Yeah. It's not like, oh, no, the pastor has got it all right now. The pastor is working on it. I'm apprehending it. I want to help you also apprehend it because I want to live after the Spirit. I want to walk in the newness of the Spirit. And every day, that is my goal, is to walk in the newness of the Spirit. But when someone makes a mistake, I'm not there to point a finger at them. Are you still with me? Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. Look, look, look what he said. Okay, so, so this young boy, young man, had never committed adultery. He had never robbed. He had never, as it were, dishonored his parents. But boy, he went away exposed. He did not admit his sin of covetousness. He just walked away. Unconverted. Unchanged. Now look at what Paul says about Romans 7, uh, verse 8. But sin... Take an opportunity by the commandment. The, the, the commandment is not, is not bad. But the sin, but sin rather, take an opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. So when the Bible says that, that verse 8 says, sin, take an opportunity, it means that word opportunity has to do in the Greek. It's a place from which a movement or attack is made. And so the enemy used that as his base of operation. He used the law as his base of operation. Verse 9 says, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Remember, 
uh, and let's go, let's go to, uh, there's some other things we'll talk about the, later on in the future. Uh, but verse 10 says, and the commandment which I, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, listen, for sin, the culprit is sin in our members. The, culp the, the culprit is not the law. It's sin. And God exposes sin. He says, for sin, take an occasion uh, by the commandment, the same word that I used opportunity in the, in the previous verse. It's a base of operation. So sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. And then Paul says, so if sin is making its attack against me, using the law as a, as a base of operation, God is showing us how evil sin is. How bad sin is. So, so the, this is one of the, I think, one of the most difficult chapters in the whole Bible. And I would like to have taught Romans, but avoided chapter 7, I mean, verse 7, chapter 7, rather. But it's, it's, it's so difficult in, in so many regards. But he says, sin, taking occasion or using as a base of operation the commandment, Deceived me and by it killed me, sin. Therefore, the law is holy. Now listen, sometimes Paul will conclude something. You go, how do you conclude that, Paul? He says, therefore, the law is holy. And the commandment, holy, just, and good. So the law is holy and just, righteous, and good. The problem is sin. Verse 13, I mean, it says, has then what is good become death to me? Paul says, certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in, in me through what is good. So God wanted you to know how bad sin is. It's not, this is just a little sin. But sin is evil. It's nasty. It's dirty. It wants to destroy you. Why? How do we know? Because it took something holy, just, and good to make you. So when we know this, we can walk it out much better than ever before. We can walk it out much better than before. So now I know the problem is sin. And, and, and this is what Paul says. As I'm going to close in just a couple of seconds, metaphor. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. The problem is not the law. The problem is my sinful nature. Now, what are we going to do? Paul says, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. I've got a problem that I can't solve. Oh, wretched man that I am, miserable man that I am. Because whenever I want to do good, I don't do the good, I do the bad. I didn't want to do the bad, but I did the bad. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. I thank God for Jesus. That's what he said.
as believers, let's walk it out, okay? Can we walk it out? Let's walk it out by knowing that you can never get good enough. You can never do enough praying. The only thing you can do to combat the problem that's within us is by go to G- going to Jesus, confessing our sins, and saying, help me. And he, Jesus, is faithful and righteous and just to forgive you and me of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we're able, by union with him, to bear fruit to God. Let's pray and I'll come back in just a minute. Father, in the name of the Lord, I thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that you have shown us that it is impossible for anyone to please you without Christ. The righteousness that you want is not works righteousness. That is of the law. It's not works righteousness. It's the righteousness of faith. You want us to have the righteousness of faith to come to you and say, Father or dear God, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe he died for me on that cross. And he died for me and he died as me. I pray that somebody would do that today. And they would receive him. And God, God our Father, you say, that's the righteousness I'm after. You can't do it. He can. You can't do it. He did it. Live a perfect life. Sinless life. And died an effective death. And had an effective resurrection. And he is now seated on the throne of God. He did it. And he will live in and through you. I'll be back in a minute.